Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Well, my name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and it's just great to have everybody here. If you're new today or you haven't uh, visited with us before, maybe it's your first time, I just wanted to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully you feel welcomed. Uh, We have coffee and donuts in the lobby for you every week, so please make sure you come and get some of that. Uh, Today uh, we are beginning February, which is crazy to me that it just seems like Every day, I feel like this, the year just goes farther and farther in, and I just feel like it was just New Year's. But, uh, and so we're beginning today a brand new message series called The Dream, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, actually, on this past Tuesday, I turned 35. It was my birthday on 35, uh, yeah, please don't clap for me, uh, 35 years old. And, uh, you know, when, if you were to ask me when I was a younger, when I was a younger man, maybe when I was 20 or 25, what were some of my dreams? If you were to say, Jared, what, what is it that you dreamed for? I would have probably told you that I wanted to travel the world. I probably would have said that one day maybe I'd like to write a book or I would like to be a, a speaker at, like a, at a big conference. You know, maybe, maybe I want to pastor a large church or, um, you know, do something important that would impact the world, right? I mean, I think uh, as I get older, though, those things are worthwhile dreams, they're worthwhile pursuits, but as I get a little bit older, and I'm certainly not an old man, but as I get older in my life, I have begun to kind of change in perspective a little bit about some of my dreams. So I would ask you, what, what is it that you dream about? What are the things that you think about? Perhaps your dreams that you, that you think about aren't maybe weren't quite to the, to the level of the scale that maybe I had had. Maybe your dreams are a little bit simpler. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I just... I, I dream one day of getting married, or maybe I, I want to raise a family, or I want to finish school, or maybe you want to get out of debt, right? There are all sorts of things and dreams that we have for ourselves, and all of these things are important. They're good things, right? But I think that what I'm realizing as I get older, as my daughter is 13 and my son is nine, and they're both kind of moving up in years, and I look at them every day and I think, my gosh, like they're growing up. And my wife and I are about to celebrate our 15th anniversary at the end of this year. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a young man anymore. And, 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 and as I get older, the things that I once wanted, the things that were so important to me that I thought this is what I want to do with my life, what I realize is that the most important things in life are really people, the people that are in my life, the people that God has blessed me with, the people who are around me. And so now my dreams are really the simplest form, which is that the people in my life would be happy, that they would be whole, that the relationships would be healed and would be right, you know? And, and that doesn't mean that one day I wouldn't write a book or that perhaps one day I have an opportunity to, to teach at a, at a seminar or maybe at a conference or something. And those are all worthwhile things, but they're not the things that drive me so much anymore. And so now when I think about God, and when I think about what God is like and what I know about him from his word and from how I've experienced him in my life, I think about what is it that God dreams about? What is it that he wants? And I think it's mostly about people. It's not about fame for him. It's not about education. It's not about money. It's certainly not about bills. I mean, the Bible says in a very old way that, that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Now, back in the day when, when cattle was your money, right? It was a bartering system. So if you owned the cattle on a thousand hills, that's the equivalent of basically saying, I own all the banks in the city. 
right? So that's what it's saying. So God doesn't have a problem with money. And what is, so what is it that God cares about? What is God's dream? Well, God's dream is about us. Just like God has been showing me in my life that, that the things that I want, the things that I dream about, it's not so much important for me to be thinking about the things that is more about the who. And as I learn about God and about his dream for people, we realize that God's dream for humanity is really all about us and about people on earth. So what is God's dream? Well, we get some insight into, into how God feels about humanity in a very famous verse, probably the most famous verse in all of Christianity in the Bible. It's John three sixteen. If you have your Bibles with you today, I encourage you to pull them out and open them up to the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. Or if you have a smartphone or a tablet, open up your Bible app, download it. It will change your life, I promise you. And if you need some tutorials or tricks on how to get into there, I'd be happy to show you. So John three sixteen. They're also on the screen here, and you can pull out your sermon notes inside of your program and follow along as well. This is what it says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, that's a very famous verse. And what we see is that God loves the world so much. His desire is for people to find true life. But that verse points to something that's more than just getting to heaven, right? That John 3.16, and we learn about God's dream, is it's not just a ticket to get out of this world. What we really learn is that God's dream for people is that he cares about people now, here, on earth, right now. Sitting inside this movie theater at Encounter Church, he cares about you and he cares about me with the things that we're going through in this moment on earth, present time, present tense. And so there's another version of this, this same passage, John 3, 16, in another translation called The Message. Anybody ever read The Message before? It is a translation of the Bible that is more written in a paraphrase or uh, more of a poetic sort of language, right? It adds this beautiful touch to verses of Scripture that are commonplace to us and helps us really get behind the essence and the meaning. And this is the same verse, the same verse from The Message, and I love this. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one needs to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Now, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. Instead, he came to help to put the world right again. I love that. A whole and lasting life brokenness and suffering healed, relationships restored. He came to help. God's dream is to put the world right again. Now, throughout Scripture, what we see all the time is that God rarely operates by himself or God rarely operates in a vacuum. Typically, what we see, primarily what we see all throughout the Bible is that when God wants to do something, he usually calls upon a person or a group of people to accomplish his goals, his plans, and his dreams. So what we now know is that the dream that God has for all of us, for a whole and lasting life, to make things right in the world, is a partnership. The dream is a partnership. And we see this all throughout Scripture. Now, many of you are in this room today, and you have experienced this dream that God has for your life. You've experienced Jesus Christ in your life, and it has transformed you. It's made you a new person. The things that have left you in the, in the past broken and, and torn have been healed, and you have seen God work in your life. But that didn't happen by accident. You are here today because someone else experienced the dream that God has for them. And then they shared it with you. And now you're here today because they partnered with God to bring his dream a reality in your life. And so we see that. 
This has always been God's intent, is for us to become the people that God had made us to be and then to share it with other people so that they can also experience who God made them to be. His dream is for people, is to be accomplished through his church. And how do I know that? How do I know that? Well, let's check a look in Romans chapter 10. If you go to Romans 10, verses 14 and 15, he asks this great question. This is the apostle Paul. And he asks this question, but how can they call on him? They being people who don't know Jesus. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Well, that's a great question. And how can they believe in him if they've never even heard about him? Well, that certainly makes sense. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Well, obviously someone has to. And this is the key in verse 15. But how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. What that verse is saying, what that last part is saying, is that when you're the messenger of good news, that your feet who bring the message are beautiful, they're wonderful. It's like, thank God you arrived to give me this wonderful news. And that's what we learn about the gospel. And that's what the Bible's saying right here in this passage of scripture is that it's a partnership. God's dream is for all people to find wholeness, to find a lasting life, to have a connection with their creator who loves them, who has made them on purpose. But in order for them to hear, he sends people. Well, we are the sent ones. We are the messengers. One of the main purposes of the church is to partner with God in bringing his dream to life. John 3.16, again, a whole and lasting life to set the world right. And when we become partners with God, we then become the people that we were meant to be. And we give others a chance to then become who God created them to be. There are a lot of people in our world right now, people in our neighborhoods, neighbors, people who live next door to you, people you come in contact with at work partners and, 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 and your children and kids on, your, on the school buses that your kids go to and all sorts of people all over the place who have no idea why they're on this earth. They have no idea that there's a God out there that loves them. And maybe they think that God hates them. Maybe they think that God doesn't exist. Perhaps for whatever reason, there are people all throughout our lives that weave in and out of our daily lives who have this feeling as though perhaps this is all that there is, that there is nothing out there, that the life that they live is futile. They feel confused. They don't know why they're here. They feel like they're searching for job after job after job, trying to figure out why they are here. When we partner with God to connect people back to a relationship with him, they begin to understand what God made them for and they find wholeness. It's a wonderful thing. Now at the church, at this church, we call the group of people who are committed to becoming who God made them to be and then helping other people experience that same thing. We call that group the dream team. So if any of you who, who are on the dream team, you are familiar with this. And why do we call it the dream team? And the dream team isn't something I made up. It's just actually it's just a name for the group of people in this church who say, this is my family. I am a part of the family of God and I am committed to being who God made me to be but I'm also committed to helping other people find out who God made them to be. If that's you, you're a part of the dream team here at this church. The dream team is literally just the people who say, I want God's dream for all people to come to life. And so we do that formally at our church by having what's called the dream team. And the dream of God really just consists of kind of like four pieces, four elements that really make up God's dream. And we try to live that out as a dream team. And real quickly, here they are. The four elements of God's dream. The first one is family. It's all about relationships, guys. You will notice that at our church, 
We talk about relationships all the time. We talk about family all the time. The biggest, probably most important piece of the dream that God has for people is that they find a place to connect and to find a place to belong. So family is all about relationships. The second element of God's dream is that we grow. See, there's also this other thread that runs throughout Scripture is that when you come to know Jesus, when you find that connection back to our Creator, He immediately wants to begin working on your life and helping you become the person He made you to be. He didn't just get on the cross and suffer and die a death so that we could live and that we could just stay in the same place. So we can have a broken marriage or we can be addicted to drugs or we can you know, be in debt all the time. Or, or make decisions where we continually destroy our lives. He didn't do that just so that we could live in that same place. No, he gave us new life so that we could live, uh, live a new life and have wholeness and find healing and be free from our past. We were called to grow. His dream is for people to grow and become who God made them to be. Another element is serving. And serving is really just another way, a word of purpose. We see it all the time. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others. And so as Christians, as believers, as part of this family of God, when we are living out the dream that God has for each one of us, the idea is that we would give of ourselves. And as we learn who we are, as we become part of the family of God and and build those relationships, as we then grow as disciples of Jesus Christ and find what it is to be who we are, we become understand who we were made to be, our talents, our gifts, our strengths. And as we do that, we then give out into that place. We find our purpose in life as we serve other people in the way that we are uniquely gifted to. Some of you are guitar players. Some of you are cooks. Some of you are incredibly hospitable. Some of you are great at teaching and helping other people. There's all sorts of different things, right? But when we serve in the area that we are made to serve, we find purpose. It's incredible. And that's when God's dream comes to life. And finally, the fourth element of God's dream is to give. And we're not just talking about money. This is about generosity. Another thread that we see all throughout history, throughout God's word, is his, he is the most giving and most generous of all beings. God gave his son, John 3, 16. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son, his only son. He gave everything for us. And so one element of the dream is that we become those people. We we were made in the image of God, right? The Bible tells us that God created human beings in the image of God. That means that every one of us has, has has a shade of who God is in our lives. And as we seek to know Jesus, as we seek to connect ourselves back to our creator, to God in heaven, We become more like him as we orient our lives towards him. And as we do that, we become more like him. And one of the ways that we do that is through giving of our time, by giving of our energy, by giving of our resources. So those are the four main elements of God's dream. And throughout this month, we're going to be in this series called The Dream. And the idea really is, is that God has these four concepts of what makes up his dream, right? That dream is about family. It's about growing. It's about serving. It's about giving. And so we're going to take one of those a week and just really dive into them and understand how we can become the people that God made us to be so that other people can find their purpose and find belonging. And so we're going to talk about family today. Family is really uh, the first one. And so we're going to start with the big idea The big idea is the main concept that this entire message is really wrapped around. If you have your sermon notes, pull them out in your program. You can take notes and fill in the blanks. The big idea for today is this, is that God's dream for people starts with relationships. If we're talking about family, family. So God's dream begins with relationships. Everything he he does is always about connecting people into a relationship, either with him or with other people around you. 
All the time we see in Scripture that if God sent his son Jesus to give his life on the cross, that he loved us so much it was to show us that he wants to have a relationship with us. I mean, it starts with relationship. It starts with a relationship with him. Jesus, in the very beginning, came to where we were. He came to us first and said, I love you so much that I'm going to give myself to you so that you have a path to be able to come back and have a relationship with me. And all throughout Scripture, we see that this life was not meant to be lived alone. So here we go. I'm taking a little journey. Genesis chapter 2-8, the very beginning of the Bible. In the very beginning, God creates man, and we see man there. And then what does he say almost immediately? Verse 18 in chapter 2, it'll be on the screen. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So immediately, God creates a person and then goes, you know what? He's probably not going to do very well by himself. So I should create others for him. Okay? Now, later on in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, this is written by a guy named Solomon. Anybody ever heard of Solomon, the wisest man, um, probably one of the wisest men who ever lived? Solomon's colonnade, Solomon's kingdom, right? Okay? Wisdom. He decides at the end of his life to write a book. And at the end of his life, he basically just collects everything that he's learned about life, and then he puts it into this book called Ecclesiastes. And this is what he says in chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. He says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and they can be defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not so easily broken. So we see from the Old Testament over and over again that the concept of relationships and living life with other people is super important, but that it doesn't just end there, it continues in the New Testament. It says that all believers are called the family of God, we're called the body of Christ. Jesus refers to Christians as the kingdom of God, right? We are all together. It was never meant to be alone. And in Counter Church, we are all about relationships. You hear it all the time. From when somebody walks in the door, we're like, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Have some coffee. Have some donuts. We provided this stuff so that you can feel welcome here. When we, when we create opportunities, when we're creating programs, when we're thinking about how we do things, we're always asking the question, how can we foster an environment of authentic and caring relationships? Six months after we launched this church, we began our life group program. Some churches don't start them for years or until they get large enough where they have so many people that people don't know each other's names. Not the same for this church. For us, almost immediately after we launched this church, we said relationships are the key. It's important to know people, to have people you can trust, to have people who care about you, who will help you. And so we started these life groups, and it's a place during the middle of the week for people to go to and hang out with each other and talk about what God's doing in their lives and to learn about you know, how they can move forward in their faith. When they're struggling with things, there are people who will pray for them and who will lift them up. They hang out with people. They go out to museums together and ball games together. You live life with each other and you find that you get closer to God, but you get closer to each other. Let me tell you something. If you have been sitting in this chair, in these chairs on Sundays, if you're feeling disconnected from God, if you're feeling like you, like you are just, like you haven't been growing in your faith, if you haven't been to a life group, I'm just going to say it bluntly. It's your own fault, okay? It's your own fault because you are not taking the steps that God created for us to get connected and to grow in our faith. 
I have seen so many people in relationships with myself personally, people over the years who say, you know, I just kind of, I don't know, I feel like my faith is so stale. I just don't, uh, I, I don't know, I'm not sure what I really think about God anymore. And they were once people who came to church all the time. And I say, what happened? And you know what I saw in their lives? It was that they just stopped being connected with the people of God. And they stopped getting the lifeblood that comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus sat at a well with a woman and said, if, I, if you drink water out of this well, you'll be thirsty again soon. But the water that you drink from me, you will never thirst again. Now, I can tell you what that means in my own life is the times when I go for a week or two weeks without reading the Bible, without talking to people about Jesus, without being vulnerable with God and with other people about my faith, you better believe that I feel dry in my faith. You better believe that I feel completely disconnected. I find myself getting into bad habits and all sorts of things. Why? Because I disconnected from the things that matter the most. And that's what happens. And I want to, that was a little bit of a tangent there. But it's important to understand how important family is, the relationships. God created us as human beings to be connected with him, but not to just be alone on earth, but to be connected with other people who will help us and encourage us. And we call that family. God's dream for people is family. It's about relationships. So to finish off today, we have some priorities, some family priorities, okay? Here are the things at this church, and that come from God's word, that we focus on as a church for family priorities. The first thing is this, is a relationship with God. You might notice when you walk in behind you uh, near the door, there's this little marquee uh, kind of flag thing that says three E's. It says experience God, explore faith, and express personally. And the idea here is that these are the things that God has called us to do. A relationship with God is all about experiencing Him. It's about putting your faith in Him. It's about making your life priority about knowing God. The concept of the family is, is that this family exists because of him. My son and my daughter, right? Both of them are part of my family, but they only exist because of me and my wife, right? The same thing is true. This family is only here because of what God has done. So the priority in our lives for this family, the first priority of Encounter Church is a relationship with Jesus, with, with, our, with our creator. We will always, 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 always push people to a place where we say, your relationship with God trumps everything else. You've got to be at a place where that's your priority in life. When, when, you, are, when you are dry, I'm going to say, yeah, are you connected to a life group? Yeah. But have you been talking to God lately? Have you been listening to him? Have you been going to a place of worship? If the answer to that is no, I say, yeah, keep going to your life group, but you need to take responsibility for yourself in your own private life. I'm telling you, that's seriously the answer. How is it possible that people in jail can find wholeness and a vibrant relationship with God? Because they can't go to a life group. People who are in prison can't go anywhere, and yet they come out feeling like they know Jesus better than many people in church. Why? Because they experience him personally. We are responsible for ourselves and our relationship with God. Family begins with a relationship with God. We can become the person that we were created to be when we find the person who created us. It's God first. Our family priority at this church begins with Jesus. The second priority is relationship with this church family. And this is really all about belonging. When we launched this church, we started off at Arsenal Middle School right over here. And our very first series, we sent out these, these mailers. There were these uh, like, you know, six by 12 
postcards that we mailed to 10,000 homes around this city. And we said, come and visit us at our launch day service because you were made to belong. That's what it said on the front. It said, you were made to belong. And now if you look on our invite cards that we have, they're available for you. If you ever want to invite someone to church, just go to the Connection Center and grab those cards. Just give them out to people randomly, okay? And they literally say the same thing because we stuck with it. It wasn't a marketing ploy. It wasn't some kind of scheme. The idea is you were made to belong, and we believe that, that you were made to belong to a family. And Encounter Church, when you connect in a relationship with other people, you are belonging to something. You are a part of God's family. You're a part of God's church. But it's not just belonging. Relationships with other people also brings what we call accountability, and that's a word that people aren't as excited about. Right, so we like belonging. I love having a place where I can go. Everybody likes cheers, where I can where I can go to a place where everybody knows my name. Right, everybody likes that. Is that even a relevant phrase anymore? Cheers. That was like twenty five years ago. <laughs> um, what was that guy? The guy who who Norm. Norm. Yes. Okay. So he's always sitting at the bar. But so whatever the modern day version of that would be, I don't know. But it's not just about belonging. Having a family is all about also about accountability. When I connect with people in a real space, when people know who I am, they can call me on my stuff that's not going well. It's funny, this week on, uh, on Facebook, my mom, I believe, posted a, uh, I think from BuzzFeed or something, it was 19 things that a family growing up in a loud household would know. And one of the things was that, that said, I think it was maybe number 11 or something, it said, when you're quiet for a change, everybody asks you if you're feeling okay. And that's true in my life because it happens to me all the time. I, I'm a talker. I'm outgoing. I like to talk to people. But every once in a while, I get quiet. Maybe something's bugging me. And the family, my personal family, will say, Jared, are you okay? And sometimes I'm not okay. Most of the time I am. But, but that's what happens in family is you get this accountability. When you know people, you, you don't have the ability to hide. Now, for some of you, that's scary. For some of you, you're thinking, I kind of like hiding. I like being in a place where, where, I, where I can kind of keep things close to the vest. And I'm not saying that, that you have to offer everything immediately to someone you just met, but there needs to be a place where you can share what's going on in your life, your deepest struggles, your fears, and your doubts. And that's why we created a space called Explore Faith. So it's not just coming to church to experience God, but another big value of our church is Explore Faith. And maybe on Sunday mornings, you hear me preaching, maybe even today, maybe there's somebody in this chair right now who's saying, you know what? I don't really know what I think about what you're saying, Jared. I don't know if I agree. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I see it's in the Bible, but I'm not really even sure if I think the Bible is completely true. Like, like here's what I would say to you is that, is that you can belong here before you believe. Why? Because we know that in a place of family, in a place of relationships with other people, that sometimes you just don't know what's going on. That sometimes you're confused. Things happen in life that shake up your world. And that's the beauty of this concept of, of, of being in a family, in a relationship with other people. It brings accountability. And I want to just hit on life groups one more time. Life groups are so important. Right after service today, we're having our life groups open house. You can have a chance right in the lobby as soon as you walk out to meet the leaders of the different groups in this church people who are starting a new group or people who are continuing a group, I encourage everyone in this room to sign up. Guys, I want you to know this. We've been doing this for almost two years. This is our fourth semester. If you haven't joined a life group, you are missing out. You are missing out on another half of your life and your faith. 
of what God wants to do in your life. Sign up for a life group today. The third thing is I kind of hit it on already is you can belong before you believe. I believe this with all my heart. There is an element of family, church family, right? This concept of, of, of that we all are here under one banner. But like I said, some of you are in the room today and maybe you're saying, I'm not sure what I believe. I want you to know that you have a place that you can belong before you believe. I want you to know that you can keep coming here. Maybe, like I said, maybe someone is saying, I'm not sure what I think about what you're saying here, or maybe in the past weeks or something that I'm going to say. I want you to know you have my commitment that what I preach, it comes straight out of the Bible. I don't make things up, okay? So you have my commitment that whatever I teach comes from God's word, and I study it, and I try as hard as I possibly can to understand what it means for our modern context, okay? But here's the thing. I recognize that there is a possibility that just because I believe something with all my heart doesn't mean that you agree with it or that you have reached that place in your faith. And what I would say to you is that's okay. Keep coming. I would love to have conversation with you. I would love to talk with you. Maybe, maybe you hear something. I had a guy I was talking to last week, one of the individuals in our church, a friend of mine, and he said, he said, sometimes you say things, Jared, and they're uncomfortable for me. And he said, it's not that I don't agree with them. It's that I just don't feel like I'm ready to hear them yet. Like I heard something. I believe that the, that the Bible says it. I believe the Bible is true. But the thing that is being said from God's word is stepping on me so much that I don't even want to hear it yet. I'm not ready to take action on that yet. What I would say to you is if that's you, just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep getting connected. Get connected into relationships. Because you know what happens on Tuesday nights at life groups? You go there and, and, and we talk about the, the sermons on Sunday. So on Tuesday, this week, our life groups begin, and you're going to be talking about this concept of family and about belonging before you believe and having a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with other people and all these things. And maybe, just maybe, you get to a place and say, can I be honest for a second and just say, I struggle with this. I don't know what I think about it. What do you guys think? And you'll get all sorts of comments and thoughts, not judgingly, and they're just going to be there to encourage you. You can belong in God's family before you believe. Now, I will say there's one caveat before we leave this piece is this, is that if you don't believe, you're missing out. There is something that happens when you do get to that place if you say, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to take the jump and just give faith in your God into, into what Jesus did for me. Because when you do that, this family becomes so much more. You're not, just, you're not just having nice people who hand you coffee or donuts and you come and kind of, you get to sing some songs and you have a place where you can kind of connect. There's a deeper place in your soul. I encourage you to just continue to search. I promise you, Jesus says in the Bible that if you seek me, you will find me. Don't give up the search. This family, the priorities are a relationship with God first, a relationship with each other. You can belong here before you believe. And finally, everything we do is intentional. Our relationships have to be intentional. We can't, we can't have a relationship with God and not be intentional with it. We can't, make, we can't not make time to spend with him. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like if I just decided that I was going to spend an entire week and not say hello to my wife? I mean, what would that be like if, if I didn't say hello to my kids or didn't spend any time with them? If, if every single day of a week I came home from work and I went straight up to the bedroom and I just started playing video games and didn't leave the room for seven days, didn't say hello to anybody, didn't eat dinner with anybody, my relationships would fall apart. I have to be intentional. 
I've said this before, and I'll say it again. My wife and I, every single Thursday night, have a planned date night. We don't always go out. Sometimes we stay in. Most of the time we do, but we usually try to make it fun and creative. This past week we played cards, and we ate some different snacks, and we watched a movie that was related to a theme. Sometimes we go out to movie theaters and see movies, but we are intentional about our relationships. The same thing is true with each other. You have to be intentional about attending a life group. You have to be intentional about, about spending time with each other. You have to be intentional about, about, when, about opening your ears and hearing when someone shares something honestly and being there for them. And man, I really want to go watch this football game, but it really seems like this friend needs an ear right now. You know what I mean? Like relationships have to be the priority in our lives. We have to be intentional about welcoming people. So at Life Groups this week, and this is kind of like me setting a, setting a tone for it, I encourage you, if you are one of those people who don't believe, but you want to belong, to go to a life group. And everybody who's been at life groups before, this is your mandate. Be intentional about them when they come, that when they ask questions or don't know what they believe or feel about something, that you welcome them and you make them feel welcome and you help them to know that it's okay to ask questions. I want your life group and my life group, I want this church to be a place where people say, you know what, my friend who doesn't know who Jesus is and isn't sure what he thinks about Jesus, I know he'd be welcome at Encounter Church. I know he'd be welcome at my life group because that's who God is. God cares more about people than what they believe at the moment. He wants them to know that he loves them and he knows that his love is strong enough that one day they will make the decision to follow him on their own without being coerced or forced. And that's how we live our lives here at this church. The priorities of our family, relationship with God, relationship with church family, you can belong before you believe and we are intentional about our relationship. So I will close with this. Our challenge today, the thing that I want you to take out of this message is this. Make this family your priority. When I say this family, I don't mean just this church family. I mean, of course I mean that. But I mean the family of God. And we do that by putting God first in our lives. It begins with John 3.16. Jesus gave his life for you so that you could have forgiveness of your sins and find a connection back with the God who created you. When you say, Jesus, I believe in you, thank you for forgiving me, you now become a part of the family. And when you're a part of the family, we need to put God first in our decisions and our priorities and the way that we live our lives. But we need to make time for each other. And that starts by putting Tuesday night, booking it for a life group. I mean, that's just who we are. That's who God made us to be, is to connect with each other. And the way we do that is through life groups putting each other first. But we also want to make room for more. That's the belonging before you believe. That's, that's this space of being intentional about saying, please come. We want you to belong here. We, you can find a place here and trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to people. So this month, as we head towards our two-year anniversary, which is crazy, next month our church is two years old. Yeah. Let's focus on what God has dreams for, for ourselves and for those around us. Let's commit to becoming the people that God created us to be. And let's commit to bringing God's dream to life in this church and the world around us. Would you stand with me as we pray? Just real quickly, I wanted to give an opportunity for anyone who maybe wants to join this family by beginning that relationship with Jesus. 
Sometimes we do this and other times we don't. I think it's important, though, to give opportunities. That maybe there's somebody in the room today who's never made the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of God's family, and it begins with Jesus. Just real quickly, if you just close your eyes, folks. If, if there's anybody in the room, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Anybody in the room who just wants to say, today I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Great. Maybe there's somebody in the room who just says, you know what? Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, I need a place to belong. I need a place where I can be a part of a family. I can belong before I believe or even since I believe, but I need that. God is pulling me towards deeper relationships with him and with other people. If that's you, just raise your hand up in the air. That You just want to respond to what God's saying today. Anybody in the room who wants to respond to what God has said to them today? Anybody in the room? Thank you, God, for those hands. God, so today, today we're, we commit ourselves to being the people that you have made us to be. You have a dream that we would find a whole and lasting life, that we would know your son Jesus, that we would have the relationships with you and with each other that help us carry these burdens that we walk with in life. And so we commit ourselves now to being a part of your family to being a part of a deeper family, a family of God, a family of people who who will walk with us through our struggles, through our deepest of doubts and our fears, who will celebrate with us when we have things that happen that are wonderful. So we commit this year, God, to, to knowing you, to putting you first, and to committing our lives to each other. Help us to be intentional with our relationships with you, with other people, and to make room for more people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.